shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Tarek, heads or tails? You know I gotta go with the losing side every time, tails. You don't know that. I'm flipping an object here. It's tails. No, it's tails. Hey, hey look at that. Even I, when it succeeds, it fails, so I'll take it. Yeah, I, I found a lighter, and I determined that the side with the uh, the receipt thing on it is tails. And yeah, Very industrious of you, man. You know what? I got this. So uh, the topic today is an eight-sided coin. There are eight teams left. All you got to do is lock one team to win this week. And who you got? We got the Bengals, Titans, 49ers, Packers, Rams, Bucks, Bills, Chiefs. Who you locking in to win this week? Okay, I'm not in halftime. We are going to pick Super Bowl winners, so I'm not going to talk about either of the teams that I think are going to make the Super Bowl. Um, so I'm going to go with the Packers, and it's a completely spiteful pick. I think the Packers are going to beat the 49ers in Lambeau. Uh, the last time the Packers and the 49ers played, uh, it was the Raheem Mostert game. I believe he had like over 200 yards. Uh, in that game, and uh, I don't think uh, the Packers are going to let that happen this time. Um, I'm I'm going to be rooting for the Packers, to be honest, uh, completely out of spite as a Cowboys fan. So give me the Packers over the 49ers, let's say uh, 34 to 28. All right, Trey, we talked a little bit before the show, and that was your squad. So who's your backup team? Who's, who are you locking in to win? Well, I feel like uh, Tarek may have picked that just to, to spite me too. Uh, on top of, uh, <laughs> I, I did not know that was yeah. your team, but yeah. Well, hey, um, preview for halftime then. Uh, give me the Chiefs. Uh, give me the the home squad against the Bills. Uh, you know, Josh Allen and the Bills looked great uh, at home against uh, the Pats the other day, but now they got to get on the road. It's a lot different playing at Arrowhead in front of that stadium. So. Give me uh, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, who are looking kind of hot right now at uh, just the right time. Yeah, Pat Mahomes is uh, spreading it around, getting Byron Pringle involved with two touchdowns. Oh man, I can't, I can't touch that game. I think that's going to be a great game, but I have no idea which team's actually going to win it. I'm leaning towards the. Uh, let's go with the Rams. I think the Rams are going to take care of the Bucks and knock Tom Brady out of the playoffs and make next year his last year, but. You know what they say, Mitch? You What's should always bet against Tom Brady. You know, yeah. I mean, against the spread, it's worked out pretty well this year. A, a few times, a few times. Uh, it it is also it is also manifestly not worked out a few times. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brady's made a whole career out of uh, just winning games, but not covering the spread. Right, just like barely covering and like the or winning uh, last second field goal or or whatever it may be. Right. I don't know. I think McVeigh's got something cooking for him. He's been stewing on that Super Bowl loss for a while, so I I got the Rams here. Well, you know, you know Tom Brady, perpetual underdog. Nobody ever believes in him. Put it on your billboard, dude. Beware, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm sure Tom Brady's gonna put tuning into the long game. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> He's going to put it on his team's billboard, put it on the whiteboard. Fuck you, at Marl's in charge. Yeah, you shit, Tom Brady. Come at me, bro. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome in. To episode 40 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshuya, with me on this beautiful Wednesday night. You'll be listening on Thursday, but with me tonight, Trey Cryan and Mitch Yates. Trey, what's going on, dude? I'm good. Good. Just uh, hunkering down for the winter months here. Uh, Tried getting a trip up to uh, the mountain on Sunday to get a little uh, a snowboard trip in, but uh, it was actually too windy on the mountain, so they closed the lift. So I had to uh, drive back home before I made it, even made it an hour down the road. So a uh, little bit disappointing, kind of uh, ruined my plans this weekend. But at least there was uh, plenty of football on TV to make up for it. I'm sorry you couldn't shred, dude. Yeah, so much gnar left unhooked. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Mitch, we li- we missed you last week, but uh, in the interim, we had a kind of a lot of bad football, or at least like not very entertaining football over the weekend. How, how'd you uh, how'd you feel about Wild Card Weekend? You weren't entertained by that Cowboys game. Oh, I mean, I've boo. I'm dead inside as a Cowboys fan, so I I'm actually become really good about not getting too high or too low on the team. So I kind of just laughed through it, to be honest. Yeah, well, look, I, I'm i sorry I wasn't there last week, man. I missed you guys, but uh, I was in the old hometown, Austin, Texas, and had some beautiful weather there, and now I'm back in Chucktown, and it's really cold. It's almost like 50 out, so <laughs> hunkering down as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, Trey, how is it in Boston? Let's talk about weather for two oh, minutes. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, yesterday it was the down listeners in, want. Yesterday it was down in, like, the 10s. So it was, it was yeah. a rough day yesterday, but uh, I mean, it was up to like 45 today, so much, much better. Yeah, I mean, I live in Chicago, so, you know, it's cold. But hey, all of us are from Austin, Texas, so shout out, shout out ATX. I'm, I'm glad you were able to go home and see family this past week, Mitch. Um, okay, so let's get into what we're talking about today. The title of today's episode uh, is Half Season Heroes. So we wanted to highlight a few players that fall into two kind of distinct buckets. The first bucket are those players who performed really well in about weeks one through nine, but tailed off significantly relative to that performance down the stretch. The other bucket of players are those who more or less came out of nowhere and then blew up between uh, weeks 10 and 17. So why would we do this? I mean, the first reason is it's kind of an arbitrary excuse to just talk about interesting players. Um, but to be more forgiving, I, I think perception matters and market sentiment might sour on players that performed well in the beginning of the season, but disappointed late. Or the market might overvalue players who caught fire in the last handful of weeks. So, you know, that makes me think of like Tyler Higby a couple years ago. And I was guilty of over overvaluing Tyler Higby after that magical five game stretch. Um, I, I know Mitch was not on board. Mitch was uh, calling me an idiot uh, and well deserved. So let's let's try to not be idiots. So. We want to add context to both of these situations and hopefully create actionable advice. So in the first half, we're going to talk about four first half heroes. And in the second half, we'll talk about four second half heroes. What do you guys say? You ready to go? Love it. Let's do it, man. All right. So in our four first half heroes, uh, the first one we got is probably the hottest name on Dynasty Twitter right now. And that is CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver for uh, the newly homeward bound Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) So right off the bat, I'm going to cheat on the parameters. Like I said, weeks one through nine, but I can do what I want. So I'm going to flex out to weeks one through 10, because uh, if you add that 10th week, he becomes wide receiver eight in PPR points per game on a 22% target share, which is good, but not great. Weeks 11 through 17, he goes down to wide receiver 38 in points per game, and he followed that up with a really poor week 18 uh, and a really disappointing wild card performance. So in in the last 48 hours on Keep Trade Cut, he fell from wide receiver three, where he had been for months, went all the way down to wide receiver 11, and now he's kind of corrected back up to wide receiver six. It's been absolutely wild. So Let's parse through this, guys. What are the concerns with C.D. Lamb, and has his recent value fall made him a buy? Trey, what do you think? So when we were first talking about this episode, I, I definitely pushed back a little bit because, uh, you know, I don't, I really don't want us or any of our listeners to fall into the trap of these small sample sizes here, right? Yeah. So for most of this conversation tonight, I'm probably going to be taking like more of a season-long view, but sure. you're absolutely right. I mean, C.D. Lamb looked great for the first half of the year tailed off the second half and then had an absolute stinker uh, in the playoffs. And it's wild what happened on keep trade cut afterwards. You mentioned he dropped all the way down to wide receiver 11 after basically being stuck at wide receiver three for the past, like three plus months. So it was pretty, pretty incredible to watch in real time. But uh, CD lamb is a tough case for me. Um, I'm actually a little bit, I'm, I've definitely come off of the wide receiver three or four ranking where I had him for most of the year too. 
And and part of that is just looking at his season long production. I mean, this is supposed to be a second year breakout and it didn't really happen. He had a, a 20.4% target share on the season, which is only good for wide receiver 36. He also only had a 26.5% air yard share, which is only which is wide receiver 50 on the year. Oh man. But where he really makes up for it is in his yards per route run. Uh so he was up at 2.27, which is top 12. So there's it's a little bit of a mixed bag there. Um really the concern for me is just the Cowboys aren't using him enough in that offense, right? And I know you've said the same thing. And part of the reason has to be just because of the way they've designed that offense, the way they let Dak, you know, prefer to go to Schultz or the third option who, you know, may not be getting like primary uh, coverage. But I I mean, it's also just got to be a factor of like who CD Lamb is going to be, you know? And so I'm I'm almost at the point where, I still think he's top 10, but I'm willing to come down off of where I was before. And if you want to put guys like AJ Brown, guys like Cooper Cup, maybe even somebody like Debo Samuel up above CeeDee Lamb at this point, I think there's a really strong argument to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think six is not a bad place to put him. I, I think I agree with the fall slightly. I don't necessarily think that he should fall out of the top 10 because let's not forget he's only 22 years old right now. And... He has shown at times those pop games, those games where he just takes over and lights up the fantasy scoreboard as well. Towards the end of the uh, season, it's not like he wasn't playing. Like he was there, his snap count was fine. And my concern was the same as Trey's there, where Cedric Wilson is like the main target. We looked our, we look at the last game, uh, the playoff game. And there's no excuse for that unless it's yeah, the yeah. scheme itself. So. They they got some things they need to work out, but he's got the talent, so I'm not coming off too much, you know. Yeah, it, it's frustrating. Look, I'm I am concerned about the target share, but uh, you know he's moved down one spot in my ranks to wide receiver four. AJ Brown jumped him, and you know I I can see myself moving DK Metcalf ahead of him too. Now you can take my opinion with a grain of salt because I've been a fan like of CD lamb since he was 18 years old. And I'm more prone to take lock than most on CD. I'm, I'm just going to admit that, but I think this is a situation issue more than a, he's not a number one receiver issue. I just think he's extremely talented and he should be commanding more targets, but perhaps the mind meld between Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore is just kind of overthinking things. And that isn't to say I'm not concerned. I am but I'm still trading away the older guys uh, that Trey brought up in Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup and even Tyreek Hill away for him. And I'll still take him over Waddle and Debo, which is another name that Trey brought up. So this is opening a window in which I want to try and increase my CD Lamb exposure. Um, but, you know, I'm a huge CD Lamb fan. And I, and I really do think that his target share, they'll see that they need to get him involved more. Right. But look, if we just go by the numbers, you have to be concerned. And, uh, you know, I've said this before. I said this on like one of the very earliest episodes, and I still think it reigns true today. I want CD Lamb on some rosters. I want some CD Lamb shares, but he's basically unobtainable in every single league that I play in because whoever manages him is a fucking Cowboys fan. Yeah. Well, every, and there's a lot of Cowboys listen, fans no, out it, there, too. Yeah. It's not. It's not just you. And I know a lot of listeners are nodding their heads right now going, yeah, now I can't, I can't get, can't get them. And it's, yeah. it's just frustrating. So like his worth to me, it, you're going to have to pay for that top three wide receiver price if you want to pry him loose, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm not willing to do that at this point anymore. Uh, you know, I probably would have been uh, if you had asked me three months ago, but I just looking at the season long stats, like you said, uh, the 20.4% target share. We we talk about target share so much on this pod because it's a great approximation of a guy's talent, you know. So yeah. when you factor that yeah. in with his air yard share, and he falls outside of the top thirty six receivers. That is absolutely a red flag, especially for somebody who's presumably a top ten option for dynasty. Yeah, it's it's an opportunity for me, I think, to reflect on the fact that I have some bias with CD Lamb, um, and. I believe in him long term and I'm going to use this as a window to to buy him where I don't have him and I have him in a lot of places. Um, so it's one of these rare instances where I'm kind of 
not even really giving advice. You know, I, I, I think it's, it's just the target share is concerning, but I'm choosing to remain obstinate here. Uh, full, just spiraling, Dude, Trey. Um, that's that's the beauty of fantasy football, man. You can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> so, hey, listen to Trey, not me on the CD Lamb stuff. Um, I'm going to keep CD Stan in my Twitter bio. Uh, all right. So let's move on from CD Lamb. <laughs> uh, make me feel a little bit better. Uh, let's talk about Marquise Hollywood Brown, a wide receiver for the Ravens, uh, who's 24 years old. So we all kind of faded Hollywood Brown during the offseason. And um, I think we all kind of ate some humble pie after the first seven weeks. And then Lamar Jackson got banged up. And honestly, what happened is Hollywood stopped scoring touchdowns. So weeks one through seven, he had six touchdowns. And weeks eight through 17, he had zero touchdowns. So September keep trade cut had him at wide receiver 58. So when we were fading Hollywood Brown, trust me, we weren't the only ones, right? In November, he topped all the way out at wide receiver 20, and he currently resides at wide receiver 30 behind guys like Darnell Mooney, Keenan Allen, and Amari Cooper. Now, interestingly, Bateman is wide receiver 29 right ahead of him. So Hollywood finished his third season as a pro at wide receiver 23 in points per game. That's 14.1 PPR points, and he turns 25 this offseason. With Bateman getting involved late and Andrews breaking out, how are we feeling about Hollywood Brown going into 2022, Mitch? Yeah, wide receiver 30 seems about right to me, and that's where Keep Trade Cut has him. I, I still don't think I can get on the Hollywood Express. Uh, I've thought about it at times, but the Ravens were at their best when they were running the ball. This year they couldn't do that because their entire running back core went down. Uh, with Bateman coming alive towards the end of the year, like you mentioned, Andrews retaining that focal point in the passing offense, I still have to fade Hollywood. And, you know, mm. I felt wrong early in the season. I really did. And then the the way the things kind of settled towards the end, I I don't envision him getting that lead look next year. I, I think there's too many other pieces. And like I said, I think they got to start focusing on that running game again. So it's it's interesting that you're fading him because uh, honestly, I'm looking at Hollywood Brown right now as a huge buy opportunity. And uh, I'll tell you why. He's he's 24. He'll be 25 at the start of next year and just finished up his third year in the league. And this was just a, a true breakout for him. I mean, like you said, he we were all fading him and he went into this year uh, locked down a top 12 uh, target share rate and a top 20 air yard share rate. So uh, you look at what he was able to do in a situation that got better. I mean, Lamar Jackson clearly took a step forward as a passer. Uh, there's room for his touchdown rate to improve. He only had six touchdowns on 138 targets. So uh, I think that there's a world where, yeah, J.K. Dobbins comes back and they do run a little bit more. And, but the improvement of Bateman, does, Bateman and like the return to the running game doesn't necessarily hurt Hollywood Brown. I mean, there's a counter narrative there that it could open up coverage for him, you know? So I think this is just a guy who's severely undervalued because of a lot of like other factors around him. And, you know, I backed this up. I actually made a trade for uh, Hollywood recently. I, uh, I told you guys, I was kind of coming off Bateman in my uh, uh, reputation player. So I actually moved Bateman and uh, Cortland Sutton uh, for Hollywood Brown in a mid second in this upcoming. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm in, man. Uh, also, also uh, kind of calls back to your fate on Cortland Sutton from that Reputation Player episode. There you go. Um, so I actually uh, surprised myself, um, and I'm, I'm more on Trey's side here. And we talked about Hollywood last week, kind of roundabout in our discussions of both uh, Tylen Wallace and Rashad Bateman. And the more I dig into his numbers, the more... In I am, uh, you know, a 26% target share on the year is phenomenal. Top 12. And there's plenty of room, in my opinion, for Bateman to cut away a little bit from both Andrews and Hollywood as he progresses. And for Hollywood to still be a really viable wide receiver too, like mid-range wide receiver too. And that's why I love his value at wide receiver 30. Uh, he's going to be closer to wide receiver 20 for me and my rankings in the range of like Brandon Ayuk. Mike Evans, Elijah Moore, and uh, the aforementioned Rashad Bateman. So, uh, yeah, I'm more in than I am out at this price, for sure. 
It's really interesting that him and Bateman are sitting there right next to each other because you're yeah. essentially pricing in all of the upside of Bateman at that value. You know, yeah. I mean, not literally all of it, but like you're you're pricing in that breakout before it happens. If if I have to have one though, I I air Bateman still, and I I think that's maybe what the keep trade cut is representing here. Like, I I don't think that both can coexist in a wide receiver two fashion. I think they can. That's the thing. Right, exactly. I, and but even if they don't, I I because of what we've seen out of Hollywood for the last year, I I would think it's more likely that Hollywood is the guy moving forward well, than Bateman. He's Hollywood is already a 25% target share guy, right? Bateman yeah. hasn't made that jump yet. Uh best case for Bateman at this point is kind of actually falling into the uh profile of the next dude we're going to talk about here. Yeah, Trey, you mentioned you made a trade uh, for Hollywood this week. Uh, I have been sending offers for him in most of my leagues, uh, and I haven't really gotten uh, much bites yet. So uh, I'm actively trying to buy Hollywood. Yeah, right on. Uh, And just to close it, I I think a lot of this hinges on the Ravens and how they looked this year. They looked kind of like a mess this year, and I feel like they have to change some things moving forward, a lot of things. And with that shakeup... like that's where I'm starting to lose the confidence. It's I don't feel like they're going to repeat the same things they did this year. They only won seven games, right? Like something's got to something's got to change. Yeah, I mean, getting Lamar Jackson healthy uh, will hopefully. Well, it's go not the like way. the backup quarterbacks played badly. Yeah, though. Lamar Jackson healthy, J.K. Dobbins healthy. I mean, this could be an offense that uh, is firing on all cylinders next year. Like that's clearly in the range of outcomes. So if you if you're looking at that touchdown number, you know, growing a little bit because they're actually putting the ball in the end zone more then you know, that's just good news for their number one receiver in that offense. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, in the interest of time, let's move on. So we talked about uh, some of our first half heroes. We got through CD lamb and Hollywood Brown. Uh, we're going on to another receiver here. And that was Michael Pittman for the Indianapolis Colts uh, second year receiver out of USC. So this is Mitch's favorite receiver because he's on Mitch's, favorite team right you love those colts you know it dude my favorite <laughs> uh so mitch likes to call him michael brad Pritt- pittman um <laughs> pittman pittman uh he he had a lackluster rookie season in 2021 kind of verging on that face planner territory um, but broke out in a big way this year so pittman was wide receiver seven in weeks one through nine and then came crashing down to earth wide receiver 40 between weeks 10 through 17, and that's total PPR points. So in August, uh, Pittman was wide receiver 44 on keep trade cut, kind of our our market standard here. And he reached as high as wide receiver 11 this season, which was absolutely insane. And he, he settled in at wide receiver 22. Similar to Hollywood Brown, he fell about 10 spots after losing that momentum. So there's a lot of love uh, for for Brad Pittman in my circles. Uh, is he a hold, Mitch? I don't know necessarily here. Brad Pittman, he is my favorite wide receiver on my least favorite team. But, you know... <laughs> You're not an Ashton Doolin fan, Mitch? Not really. Not particularly. Ooh. Um, wide receiver 11 is really high. Like that's, that's incredible that he was ranked that high there. Uh, but what's more shocking to me is that wide receiver 44. I feel like we were at least way higher than that on him in the preseason, but maybe I can't remember back that far, but you know, JT kind of came alive. Uh, Jonathan Taylor just ate his lunch. And so the offense started to switch that direction and Carson Wentz just started to get worse and worse towards the the year went on. So if the Colts are going to be successful, they're going to need to find a little more balance and like the offense can definitely run through Jonathan Taylor and still give Pittman some work. Uh, But it's weird. He he just kind of like faded away towards the end of the season and his, uh, where'd we say he's at? His rank didn't. Like he's still at wide receiver 22. So I I don't feel like he fell as far as he could have. And so, like you said, like people are high on Pittman, like in every dynasty circle, I feel like I'm in. So, yeah, you mentioned he didn't really fall that much. I think that kind of shows the value insulation in these young wide receivers, right? Like that's something that, you know, we talked about a lot last off season when we were doing all of our previews. So yeah. I I And Trey, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. But like, 
the value insulation between Michael Pittman, who's a second year wide receiver, and Marquise Brown, who's a third wide receiver, third year wide receiver, is actually really different, right? There's yeah. something that happens between that second and third year that you know you you lose some of that insulation. But go ahead. No, no, for sure, for sure. I mean, I think the way I approach the position is if you haven't done it by year two, then I'm definitely starting to put the fade on for sure. Yeah. Um. Honestly, at this point, kind of after year one, right? So that's why I called out. Pittman as sort of the best case scenario for Rashad Bateman at this point. And it's kind of an interesting case study to say, okay, well, if Bateman does come on, has a Pittman type year to start out 2022, would he end up falling into the same wide receiver 22 range? That's only like a eight or nine spot jump. So I don't know. But my, my point here is I think I agree with you. Like the main concern with me on Pittman is just, the Colts offense just doesn't like throwing the ball a whole lot. So he's just not going to get that many opportunities to go and really outproduce these other top end guys. And as long as Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor there, I don't know why the Colts would decide that it's better for them to start throwing more. So, you know, the situation could change, you know, Pittman could find himself in a situation where they are, uh, you know, much more higher volume passing attack, but uh, wide receiver 22 is about right. Um, where I'm at on him too. This is where a situation comes in for me. Like Frank Reich is smart, right? And I feel like there's right or or no. Are we starting He's to give Carson Wentz a lot of playing time? Well, <laughs> what's the alternative? That's that, the that's Bible the narrative like, there. Who Trey. are they gonna Who are they gonna replace Wentz with? Though I I don't feel yeah, like the alternative is really there. So we're probably stuck with another year of Wentz to Pittman. And I think we are, yeah. That, probably that yeah. like I mean that's gonna be like this year was with Roethlisberger to Claypool. Not great. So so here's, I, I think if you have Pittman on your team, it is an opportunity to go and get somebody who's more of a win now piece if you're, you know, kind of on that verge, right? Like he's, I think, definitely much more of a rebuilder type value at this point than he is a, a contender. No, contender. Yeah, I can yeah. get on board with that thought process. A guy we've talked about a lot recently is Keenan Allen. I think you can probably get maybe oh, yeah. a little bit more on top of Keenan Allen for Michael Pittman. So I was really high on Michael Pittman coming in as a rookie, and I saw enough in his rookie year uh, to remain a bit ahead of market all last offseason, and Mitch kind of referenced that. I think all of us were a little bit ahead of market, even though I did sell him in a lot of places for a good return. Um, He's a slight buy for me here at wide receiver 22. I have him at wide receiver 16, so it's not anything crazy. He had a 25% target share this year. Uh, That's a really solid number. I do think the Colts are going to try to add another pass catcher. And what that means to me is he's probably going to become even more of a buy when he settles into wide receiver three territory. Once we get, you know, the rookies coming in and they add another pass catcher potentially. So he's somebody I'm tracking. Uh, He's a slight buy, but, you know, I'm not going crazy or anything. I like that. Can you imagine if it was Mike Williams? (laughs) Could I imagine if it was Mike Williams? That's a big ass wide receiver core. A perfect segue. (laughs) An expert segue, exactly, because uh, the last player we're going to talk about as a first half hero is Mike Williams, receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers. So um, in Joe Lombardi's first year as OC for the Chargers, Mike Williams looked really good to start the year in the, quote, Michael Thomas role. Uh, Trey's brought that up a couple of times. But he he leveled out quite a bit after the first five weeks. Uh, and I think everybody kind of caught Mike Williams fever after those first five weeks because they were crazy. Um, and he's now going into the offseason as one of the hottest free agent wide receiver options available in the NFL landscape. So uh, as far as his value on keep trade cut, Mike Williams was wide receiver 54 back in August. He jumped all the way up to wide receiver 15 after those aforementioned first five weeks in October, and he's now at wide receiver 33. So this is a similar range as guys like Hunter Renfro, uh, older guy like DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas. So Williams finished with a career best 15.4 points per game in PPR. That was good for number 13. And he had a huge week 18 performance uh, in the Chargers play-in game against the Raiders that might linger on people's minds, even if it's you know not directly relevant to most fantasy leagues. So, Trey, what do you think about Mike Williams going into his age 27 free agency year? Yeah, well, I, I normally wouldn't tell the listeners to go and trade for the guy who just had the best year of his career in his contract year, but uh, 
his fifth year option. Right, right. Yeah, this this does look like a, a slight buy opportunity for me, kind of like what you said for Pittman. I kind of I feel that way about uh, Mike Williams, too. Um, I mean, just for his sake, I think it would really help his value if he re-signed with the Chargers. Uh, yeah. You know, and the value probably overcorrected a little bit with that cold streak in the second half of the year, and we really saw like a glimpse of his upside in the first half. So you know, you mentioned guys like Renfro, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas. I'm pretty sure I would take Mike Williams over all three of those guys in a startup right now. And I think I'd probably go Mike Williams over some of the rookies uh, in that range too, or I guess the second year players next year, uh, guys like Kadarius Tony and Rondale Moore. Uh, I would rather go with Mike Williams at this point, just because I think we've seen enough of that top end upside to um, know that he's got that potential in him. Yeah, Trey, I'm completely on board with this one. Currently at wide receiver 33, that is screaming by to me. And I like to take risks. I like rolling the dice, man. And there is a possibility that he goes somewhere really bad in free agency. He takes the Corey Davis route and heads on over to New Jersey, man. That shit's possible. And, like, I know that that is on the minds of people that are rostering Mike Williams right now, though. Uh, He did say that he wanted to stay in LA and that's possible but I don't know there's still some good scenarios out there too the the fantasy wet dream of the Chargers or I'm sorry the fantasy wet dream of the Chiefs calling them up and saying hey you want to play for your rival real quick that could be really fun (laughs) you know so like there are fun and you know there are other options out there but I I think that most likely he is staying there so I'm I'm trying to buy at wide receiver 33 price for sure I think he can certainly return uh, a year or two of some nice production, but I, I don't know if it'll, you know, be consistent enough, right? I, I talk a lot about how consistency for wide receivers is overrated. I mean, most of them are inconsistent, but I think with Mike Williams, fifth year kind of breakout more or less, like Trey said, I think there's a lot of downside. Uh, so, you know, if he re-signs with the chargers, I'll be in at his current value. But I think if he re-signs with the chargers, he's probably going to get a bump and he'll, he'll be a stay away from me. He's a talented guy. I I just think he's honestly, I think he's much more likely to go the way of Kenny Galladay than Stefan Diggs, as far as, you know, joining a new team. And, you know, it remains to be seen. Maybe he will stay in LA and I will like him at wide receiver 33, but, uh, I, I just I'm I'm afraid of the downside with Mike Williams because of his late breakout. And, you know, uh, it's it's just hard for me to get on board. Well, look, it took them a long time to get him figured out and to get him schemed correctly. So like just because he's in a good situation doesn't necessarily mean it is a good situation for him, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I would just like to remind the listeners, I I really prefer to focus on the upside than the downside in these kind of scenarios, you know, because winning a championship is a one out of 12 outcome, right? All else equal. Um, So, you know, you got to have like things break your way uh, to go in and, you know, put a ship, like a, put a title run together. So, yeah, this is something uh, we've talked about before, but um, yeah, I wouldn't overrate the downside of him leaving or, you know, him turning into Kenny Galladay versus what we saw through the first half of the season. Okay. Okay. Uh, Honestly, I need to dig into it more. I haven't thought enough about Mike Williams, but uh, okay. So our first half heroes, you know, these aren't obviously all the players that we could have talked about, but we just kind of went through the splits and chose the four players uh, that we felt were most interesting. And there were four receivers. So we had CeeDee Lamb, Marquise Brown, Michael Pittman, and Mike Williams. But Mike check. It is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. So uh, throughout the season and even in the first week of the playoffs, we've been making picks against the spread and I've been, you know, placing a parlay on them. And, you know, now that we're kind of shifting into deeper into the playoffs and into the offseason, we're going to kind of switch up our halftime. Uh, and it may kind of change form week to week. Uh, we're still going to have to figure it out. But um, just to recap last week, uh, we did go two and two on our picks against the spread. Uh, we hit the first game of the weekend, which was Raiders Bengals. John got that right. And we hit the last game on Sunday. So not the Monday night game, but the last game on Sunday was 
the Chiefs blowing out the Steelers like I told you they would. So, Trey, uh, Mitch, how does it feel that me and John carried y'all this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you finally got a pick right, man. Good for you. <laughs> hey, scoreboard, bro. Scoreboard. <laughs> hey, man, I've been batting 500 this year, so whatever. I'll take it. I'll take the L this week. All right. So like I said, we're we're kind of changing it up this week. Uh, we're going to do Super Bowl picks. So what I want to hear from y'all is both teams you think are going to make it to the Super Bowl from each conference and who is going to win. All right, Trey, let's go with you first. All right. So my Super Bowl winner is going to be the Green Bay Packers, uh, who you stole for me at uh, the coin toss today. <laughs> and uh, they'll be beating the AFC champs, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, I'm going with this just because it's super chalky, you know, like <laughs> this is exactly what Vegas is saying is the the highest outcome right now. Uh, I like it just because, you know, these guys are going to these these teams are going to have home field advantage through the remainder of the playoffs. Uh, I don't think the Chiefs are going to run into a lot of resistance once they get past Buffalo this weekend. And I think Green Bay again, with the home field advantage, can take care of the rest of the uh, NFC field. So give me the Packers over Chiefs. Wait, so you're calling it now the Bengals are going to beat the Titans, which means the Chiefs are going to retain home field advantage? Yeah, you said they have home field advantage through the duration. Oh, did they so drop to, are, are they the, the three the or Titans four seed? The Titans are the one seed, baby. You need to calm down, Trey. <laughs> any any as if the titans beat the Bengals, the afc goes through nashville well man. just ignore ignore me entirely but uh yeah the chiefs are they'll take care of business okay all right <laughs> okay so packers over chiefs is what trey's got mitch what do you got well he did forget about the team that i have in the afc uh, i i'm gonna go with the titans uh, this might come as a shock to the listeners but the one seed in the afc the Titans have resumed their role of the underdog in the ESPN power rankings. They're the third best AFC team despite the one seed. So we got them right where we want them, boys. Uh, if Derrick Henry looks like Derrick Henry and the Titans play with the same grit they played to earn that one seed, they're going to win the Super Bowl, dude. They're going to do it. This is the year. And I think they're going to be playing against the Rams. I think the my coin toss pick, yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a home game for the Rams. Last time I checked, they're playing that Super Bowl in L.A., so that makes the Titans the uh, the underdogs again. But the Rams are nasty. I mean, Aaron Donald and Ramsey, but their offense too, right? Cup, OBJ, Stafford, Akers has awakened. Like, I think they're taking out Tom Brady this week, and I think they're going to the Super Bowl. But that's also the fantasy, right? Titans avenge their their old Super Bowl loss to the to the Rams. I would love to see that. Man, you're going you're going ancient history there. Also, you guys definitely confuse me. Uh, yeah, the the Titans are going to lose to the Bengals this weekend. So yeah, Chiefs will be a home field advantage. <laughs> guys, okay, I was so okay. confused. I didn't know what you guys were saying. <laughs> All right, so Mitch has got Titans over Rams, uh, and my pick is going to be the Rams from the NFC beating the Bills from the AFC. So yes, that means I believe the Bills are going to beat the Chiefs this weekend. And then uh, I think the Bills are going to beat the Titans in Nashville next weekend because I do think the Titans are going to take care of business against the Bengals, but we'll see. So I got Rams over Bills and it's entirely narrative based. I mean, that's what you have to do this time of year. I just, I love how the Rams played against Arizona. And I think after going all in essentially for the third year in a row, Sean McVay is going to get it done. He's going to bring a Super Bowl to the Rams. All right. And I'll do, I'll do John's here. John has the Bengals over the Packers. He's got the Bengals winning it all, which again means that uh, the Bengals would have to be the Titans this week. And I got to say, John, all right, all the cards on the tables. I'm a little nervous about this game, man. Like, the Bengals-Titans, that could go either way. And the Bengals are quite a terrifying team when they're when they're on. So if the Bengals can play like the Bengals can, I'd love that pick. Uh, Packers is chalk. I hate it. <laughs> that's, a, that's the start of the Cincinnati dynasty right there, John. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you can't say John's pick is not bold. Bengals over Packers. Okay. All right, so... You know, just our recap, our halftime Super Bowl picks uh, going into the divisional round. Trey's got Packers beating the Chiefs. Mitch, the homer, has got Titans beating the Rams. Woo-hoo! 
I've I've got Rams <laughs> beating the Bills and John uh, going anti chalk. Got the Bengals over the Packers. All right, let's kick off this second half. Uh, so we're going to be talking about second half heroes. So these were players that were relatively quiet in the first eight or nine weeks, but won people some championships with a big performance between weeks 10 and 17. And I think the guy we got to start with is a running back for the Buffalo Bills, and that's Devin Singletary, uh, former third-round pick a couple years back. He may be the best example of starting slow and finishing strong. With the playoff game included, Singletary has strung together three straight games with at least 20 fantasy points. He's on an absolute tear right now. In the first half of the season, he had one game as a top 12 running back. That was week two at Miami when he was the running back 12. And then in the second half, he hit that mark four times, and it was all weeks 15 through 18. He barely missed week 14 at Tampa Bay. Um, So December 26th, keep trade cut, had Singletary at running back 43. And not even a month later, he's running back 32. And, you know, that seems a little bit low, all things considered, in terms of uh, what he's been doing over the last month. So is he still somehow a buy, Mitch? He's got to still be a buy if he's running back 32, because that's saying he's the worst starting running back in the NFL, fantasy-wise. But, you know, I want to reference back. Tarek and I got into a little little argument there in our group thread that we like to reference here. Uh one of our listeners referenced it as a dad argument, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it was about Devin Singletary, and I was arguing that the Bills would have been better off drafting a guy like Javante Williams or replacing Devin Singletary because I just didn't think the guy had the juice. And I've been saying it all season that Josh Allen is the best running back on the team, and the entire time I was making these arguments, uh, Devin Singletary would punch my arguments in the gut with a great run that he had against the Patriots. So, yeah, I mean, we were having that argument while that Bills Patriots game was going on and the Bills offense was just firing on all cylinders. Look, you know, I, I don't want to get into a discussion about whether running backs matter or don't matter right now. Um, you know, I'm mad at myself for calling Zach Moss a buy halfway through the season because I've always thought Singletary was the better player and Trey did a really good job in our divisional preview show uh, for the AFC East, just advocating for going after Singletary because he was the cheaper guy. So the Bills might go get another back this offseason, uh, you know, kind of gesturing to our argument, Mish. And that would hurt Singletary, obviously. But I, I think if you have him, you're probably holding. And if you don't have him, I wouldn't go out of my way to buy but if he can be a throw-in piece to a bigger trade, I think he'll probably carry some value next year, even if they add Brees Hall or, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, so, Mitch, you said, you said like, running back 32 has to be a buy opportunity. And I, I, I think I agree with your heuristic that, like, there's 32 teams in the NFL. He's not the worst running back. That's, like, a starter in the league. So, like, there's probably some upside there. But I would I, – I think he's more of a sell for me. I just think he got really good uh, volume this year, like a lot of uh, targets, a lot of, uh, you know, carries uh, in a good offense. And he just, he capitalized on it, but he didn't really give you a whole lot of return over that volume, like over that expectation. So I think you could package him with a guy like DeAndre Hopkins or a guy like Zeke and put together a package for somebody like Saquon Barkley, who is kind of undervalued right now and has a lot you know, more upside than I think Singletary does. So that's, if I had Singletary on my roster, that's the kind of move I would be trying to make. Oh yeah, no, that's fair, man. I am by no means a Singletary fan. I think that was like the premise of my argument is that I just don't think he's very good, but he does have a crazy motor and there is a chance that the Bills just continue to go with him. And they have figured out how to scheme him, but... At 32 just seems a little bit low. I, I don't think I'm going to find myself going out of my way shopping for Devin Singletary or anything like that. I'm just saying at that price tag, that's a good value. Yeah, I, I guess it's just a question of how much return can you get on that value? And would you be better served, you know, putting that into maybe a higher upside piece elsewhere? I was just going to say, if you're if you're a Singletary manager right now, you have to be thinking sell. Like, if you have the opportunity, right. like, this streak is incredible. If you can sell him at the top of this streak, by all means, do it. But after the dust settles, yeah, that that's when the conversation changes. Yeah, and the streak is potentially still going, right? So, I 
I like the idea of Singletary being a secondary or tertiary piece in either way, right? So what I said was maybe if you can get him as a throw-in, right? If if you're able to kind of uh, move down in the same tier uh, of a of another position and get Devin Singletary on top of it, and then Trey said if you can use Devin Singletary to trade up into an undervalued guy like Saquon Barkley, I I think that's where Singletary's utility on the market lies right now. Um, at, at least as I'm kind of digesting it in real time. Yeah, I'm just the one thing I'm concerned about is if the Bills get eliminated and Singletary has a bad game in that eliminated game, like uh, I think that that's going to be the last thing that sticks and that recency bias may kind of go against him there. Yeah, and Mitch, I think I think that point is kind of proving what I'm trying to say is yeah. that I just don't think he's got a whole lot of value insulation uh, because he's not very good over, you know, a replacement player. Uh, so, you know, there's other higher upside options out there that you could try to package Singletary into a deal to go get. I think personally, you know, uh, I think Devin Singletary is slightly above replacement in terms of talent, but um, uh, you're right. I'm being harsh on him. You're right. That's hard to qu- that's hard to quantify. Um, yeah. But let's move on to our second second half hero. And we're sticking with the running back position here. And that's uh, Rashad Penny, uh, free un unrestricted free agent uh, coming from the Seattle Seahawks. He may have won a fantasy championship for you straight off of the waiver wire, even in dynasty. And he truly is a hero for that. And if he did that for you, you should buy a Rashad Penny Jersey, Uh, get in that disgusting neon green uh, that uh, apparently Trey likes so much. Uh, You don't remember that? I I don't. We talked about the best jerseys in the NFL. Mine were the, oh, okay. Yeah, the neon green Seahawks. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, those are divisive. So Rashad <laughs> Penny, three and a half seasons of disappointment and ineptitude. And then he broke out. His yards per carry was an insane 7.02 on 92 carries to close out the last five games of the year. This is a guy that bottomed out at running back 91. And that was on December 1st, guys. That was a month and a half ago. And now he's sitting nice and pretty at running back 34, sandwiched in between James Conner and Chase Edmonds. He's an unrestricted free agency uh, for the Seahawks and uh, because the Seahawks did not pick up his fifth-year option because he was such a disappointment. Carson's still technically under contract next year. Um, I'm pretty sure they can get out relatively painlessly, though. Trey, what do you think about Rashad Penny? All right, so I'm, I'm, I pulled up Twitter because I wanted to make sure I referenced this right. So... Uh... Uh, at David Zach 16, David Zach, uh, uh, friend of the pod, uh, through Twitter. Um, he posted this, uh, study he did about the yards created for running backs over and above, uh, expected. And I was looking this up because Devin Singletary was like right around, you know, zero, like right there with Cordero Patterson, like Austin Eckler, uh, you know, not really creating a ton above the volume they're getting on the ground. Uh, Rashad Penny came in at number two overall, right behind Jonathan Taylor. So, <laughs> he was amazing he was amazing this year on his limited touches uh in the second he played his the ass season. off yeah 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 so uh i you know even though his value is relatively low right now like running back 33 you know in relation to what he just put out there on tape i do think penny is probably a sell and it's just a process sell for me because yeah I I think it was a cash on on Twitter who we we've mentioned on the pod before as well. Yeah, at at YZR underscore fantasy. Yeah, thank you. Um he did a value study on Penny, I think. It was I think it was a cash. And he basically said that um anybody who does a late breakout, like, you know, in their fourth or fifth or sixth year, they just aren't reliable bets to repeat that production. And I I think I buy that argument. And you can cash out now, you know, take your winnings and go invest it elsewhere at this point. Yeah, for me, Penny's a really interesting case. Like, if he goes somewhere else, he's going to give me Mike Davis vibes, except he's younger, I guess, better, but definitely more off-injured. And these injuries suck, man, and he's been just plagued with that his entire career. If I have him, and I don't because I released him this year, and funny story, Trey picked (laughs) him up and then released him, and then John picked him up, so yay. But no, if I have him, I'm smashing cell right now. <laughs> I'm smashing cell right now. Uh, there's 
there's no way I can see him climbing higher than where he's at right now after that performance towards the end of the year. Well, let me say, I I don't think you've played dynasty. If you haven't dropped Rashad Penny in a league, right? Uh, I've dropped, I've dropped him in a couple of places and yeah, I mean, Trey, uh, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to reference, uh, Akash's thread on running backs with late breakouts like this. It's just a very small chance of working out moving forward. So kind of like Mike Williams, uh, his best case scenario is he stays in Seattle and he retains that running back one job. And I might be more in if that happens, but I think if that does happen, his value is going to get out of control. Um, so he's just not an easy buy right now. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty much out on Rashad. I mean, he's a big dude. He's 5'11", 220. Like he was a first round pick, right? And there, there's still reason to think. Yeah, that- he's got he's got the tools. He's like a big dude who's also very fast. But remember, like this is a guy that came into the NFL overweight, right? So he didn't get opportunities to start out because he was out of shape when he arrived at training camp. And then you know he started playing better, got hurt, got hurt again, and you know this is what we're seeing now. So. It's just it's not something I, I want to bank on. It, could it happen? Like like could he return value? Absolutely. I just think yeah. there's like other ways you could go and and deploy that value elsewhere that are you know more likely outcomes. I just between Mike Davis and James Connor of this year, I feel like I feel like that's where Penny is going to be in the off season right now. I don't know which direction he's headed um, because James Connor, we all faded like crazy, and he just put yeah. it together right. So. So go look at Akash's thread again at YZR underscore fantasy, because where he shook out is that you should go trade Rashad Penny uh, for Leonard Fournette or James Conner or someone like that. Someone who has shown um, extended periods of being, uh, you know, a a running back, low end running back one. Right. Um, I'm that's his advice. Um, I'm kind of taking a little bit more of an abstract view to where I'm just kind of out. Um, and I, it's easy for me to say, cause I don't have penny anywhere because like we said, uh, I dropped him everywhere and didn't pick him <laughs> back up. So, uh, fuck me on that. But yeah, um, go read Akash's thread. It's, it's, it's really convincing. Um, and you can agree or disagree, but, uh, okay. So let's move on to our next second half hero. And that was a wide receiver. We've talked about a good amount on the podcast the last couple of weeks. So we're not going to spend too much time on him here. But as T. Higgins um, just finished up his second year for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, he's coming he's off kind to. of yeah, he's he's coming off a disappointing wild card round. Uh, but we'll see if he bounces back. He kind of had a ho hum start to the season that was essentially due to a lack of touchdowns. Then it was wheels up from week twelve on, went absolutely nuclear in week sixteen. Uh, kind of solidified his breakout and won a lot of people their uh, fantasy playoff matchups there. Keep Trade Cut has T. Higgins at wide receiver 11 right now, about 10 spots behind Chase, who is the wide receiver one. Mitch, what do you think about T there at wide receiver 11? I think that's bang on exactly where I have him. I think I said something pretty stupid last time we talked about him. I said, you can't take away how big he is. So (laughs) I'm just going to go double all in on that. Like Chase is always going to be Burrow's bestie, right? Uh, But being tall as fuck and as good as T Higgins is, is going to command some heavy volume and wide receiver 11 is great. I just, you know, I I don't see him cracking that top 10 as long as chase is the guy there. So he's either a hold or a sell for me just because if that's his price, you know, I feel like he's at the, the height of his, his worth. Oh man. I, he could, he could absolutely crack the top 10, even with uh, Jamar chase there. He, uh, I mean, yeah, his target share wasn't elite, but he still had 24% target share on the year. His air yard share was up at 36%, which was top 13 yards per route run 2.43, which was top 10. So yeah, he like if a little bit of touchdown luck breaks his way and he takes a couple of red zone looks from Chase, he could absolutely end up uh, being a top five receiver next year. So I more likely outcome is he's always going to be that low end wide receiver one range. So, yeah, I think wide receiver 11 is probably a hold for me. Uh, you probably should have bought him, you know, or, or tried to uh, trade for him three or four months ago when he had dropped down into the 17, 18 range. 
he dropped all the way down to about wide receiver 22 actually Ooh, yeah uh, at the um trey let me let me ask you though um and this is something i struggle with are you i think a deal you can get done is trading away your t higgins for cd lamb are you doing that yeah i'm glad you brought that up because uh i've seen people talk about that on twitter right now too um I, it's kind of like the the line in the sand for cd lamb at this point because uh yeah you know t hig is somebody who's been behind lamb essentially for the past like two years straight and now i think we're at the point where there's like a pretty convincing argument uh for higgins over lamb i don't know that i'm there yet uh i think i'm maybe still lamb over t hig maybe by like one or two spots but um this is definitely the closest it's been uh you know since we started doing these ranks more than a year ago the argument is convincing i mean yeah. it's a no no for me dog it's it's a no for me as well but if if you look at target share right i mean i don't even think you have to look at target share just look at like points scored this season didn't t yeah. hig outscore cd lamb like straight up yeah in the end i think so uh, i'd have to look right i'd have to look back so i mean the most like dumb basic like measurement like he's already like should be ranked higher yeah okay um Let's move on to uh, our final second half hero, and that is another receiver. Uh, was a Browns receiver, is now a Rams receiver, and that is Odell Beckham Jr., uh, 29 years old. He was PFF's highest-graded wide receiver of wildcard weekend, uh, and that's not bad considering he plays right next to Cooper Cup. So disastrous start to the season. Uh trying to catch passes from Baker Mayfield. Now he's doing his best uh, Leonard Fournette impression. He was released from a bad situation and landed in a great situation. And, he, and he's putting it together uh, at the perfect time, at least uh, for his own contract's sake. And he didn't single-handedly win anybody a championship this year, but he set the floor at double digits in five out of his last seven games in PPR. And he posted four for 54 and one with a 40 yard pass uh, in the playoffs. So keep trade cut has him at wide receiver 42. So, you know, we're not talking about some expensive asset here. He started the year as high as wide receiver 34 and he fell as low as wide receiver 66 when he was still there in Cleveland. Trey, what do you think? Throdell Beckham Jr. with the uh the trickeration there. I love it. Yeah, I call I call them O Dime Beckham. <laughs> o Dime, yeah. Well, it, you know, next game he'll be out there uh kicking field goals for him. So uh, <laughs> this man can do it all. Yeah. Yeah. So so keep trade cut has him at wide receiver 42. I do think there's a little bit of upside in that price for sure. Uh looking at, you know, the possibility for him next year, I think 14 points per game is probably like a pretty realistic outcome, which is actually right at about what Antonio Brown gave you, another 30-plus-year-old wide receiver, former superstar. Uh, that's where the comparisons end. I'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> I think Beckham, he could do 14 points per game, and I think there's touchdown upside for more there. And it, you mentioned his value. like It's the same range as guys like Gabriel Davis, Tyler Boyd, DJ Chark. I think I would probably go Beckham over all three of those guys at this point. And you might even be able to wait a couple, a month or two because I think he's about to have his 30th birthday. And then, you know, his his value will drop even more at that point. Yeah. Oh, he's just standing on the edge of that age cliff. And he's finally found that good situation. Like, he's just had the woes of the injuries or the Browns or even Eli Manning winging him the ball. Like, you know, it, it feels good to see him in a good situation. But that doesn't mean that's the situation moving forward, right? Like, he's still a free agent after this year. And I think, and I know we talked about this a little before the show, I think that he's going to go somewhere and try to win a ship, somewhere with a good quarterback and in a good situation next year. Perhaps the Rams again. But I, I'm still in on him as well. Uh, keep trade cut as it's worth as a, like, 2023 mid-second. Michael Gallup, Robert Woods, Gabe Davis... Like players like that, I'm still Odell Beckham Jr. over over them. Well, it's it's too bad that John's not here because he he would be the one dissenting voice because I, I'm I'm in as well. I I agree with Mitch. I think he's going to prioritize going to a place where he can shine, and uh, I'm excited about that. Um, you know, obviously, I have no idea what's going to happen, but that's kind of what I think, and I I think he's going to return higher than you know, mid-range wide receiver for value over the next year, maybe the next two. Um, I bought him for 
a second and third round pick uh, in a super flex league right after he went to the Rams. Uh, and that was an overpay at the time. Maybe, you know, according to keep trade cut, it's still an over overpay, but I'm happy about it. Yeah, I think with the value of picks just continuing to creep up over the next five months, I think you can probably wait until wait, draft day. Yeah. Right. And you could you might even be able to get them for like a high third. You know, Ooh, draft that'd be day. amazing or, or like two thirds or something like that. Yeah, That's sure. Rational. I would I would do that. Absolutely. Um, the other thing is, is I, I will say because, you know, we need one dissenting voice here. His touchdown rate was a little bit high since yeah. he joined the uh, the Rams. So, you know, he is a little bit too reliant on the touchdowns for my taste. But uh, I think there's still enough there to like and enough skill left uh, to still think, you know, he's a decent bet for contenders at that price. You know, there's always the other side of that, though. The Rams go on to the to the Super Bowl and play like, what is that, two, three more games, you know, and Odell Beckham goes crazy and then his price just goes wild. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to track it. We'll have yeah. to wait. If that happens, then I'll be selling. <laughs> Amen to that. Playoff games. Uh, P.A. Howdy on Twitter talked about this. Playoff games are like a black hole of recency bias, like. If people perform well in the playoffs, they can really, or if they perform poorly, they can really experience a value swing. I mean, look what happened to CD Lamb. Yeah. So, what that creates is opportunities for smart managers. Okay, uh, let's close out the show here. We're going to do a little bit of an overtime segment, uh, and that's because there's a player that doesn't really fall into either bucket here, first or second half hero, uh, but Mitch. You really wanted to talk about this player. So who are we talking about? We're talking about George Kittle, man. Uh, just he had a weird season. Like you said, he didn't really fit into either half, but he had an absolutely great middle, like just the middle chunk there. Week nine to 14, he was outstanding. But then yeah. week 15, 16, 17, 18, wild card weekend, terrible. Uh, the first four weeks, week one through four were absolute shit, but I am going all in on getting me as many Kittle shares as I can in the offseason. Like, if he's really at tight end four uh, on keep trade cut, like, at that to me just, it seems too low. Like, guys, he's going to be in that tight end one overall category for the next three years. Like, Kelsey's getting old. Uh, Pitts is still in that infant stage, and his team sucks. Uh, Mark Andrews is kind of the same guy to me, but I really hope Jimmy G... Op- uh, keeps overthrowing him and bounce passing him the ball and keeps him uninvolved. That way his value just drives down a little lower because, uh, like I said, I'm going in on Kittle shares. Yeah, I, I like that, Mitch. I mean, it, George Kittle is just good at football, you know? He's <laughs> the best tight end in the league at me. Well, I mean... He's in the he conversation, the best, man. <laughs> he is the best tight end in the NFL. All right. Kyle Pitts might already be better. Okay. I'm not talking about dynasty. I'm talking about the best tight end. I George Kittle. I stand by that. Um, Okay. I love it. All right. All right. But look, um, I I mean, I do think in terms of points in your lineup, Kittle, Pitts, Andrews are all going to be in about that same range for the foreseeable future. Uh So just because Kittle did miss some time this year and because he was uneven, then you're right. Mitch, I think you're right. He's probably slightly too significantly undervalued right now he almost cost me a uh, a fantasy championship almost 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 and i think i would be looking at him a lot differently if i did lose like you know he he put up like five points a game the last three games man and like i can see some managers being a little pissed off about that and starting to look into uh mark andrew's window you know yeah so speaking of of Mark Andrews. He's he's come up a couple times here. Kyle Pitts, because of his age, undisputed dynasty tight end one to me, right? So if you can use Kittle or Andrews in a little bit to go get Kyle Pitts, I think you absolutely have to do it. Um, when it comes to Andrews and Kittle, they are essentially the same value to me. So I think if you can get anything of consequence on top of either Kittle or Andrews, to get the other, depending on your league, I think that's what you do. Yeah. If if you can't do any of those moves, okay, then congrats. Hold who you have, right? Yeah. Um. So, uh, that that's kind of what I have to say about Kittle here. Uh, I still think he's the best tight end in the league. He is my dynasty tight end too. Um. But like I said, him and Andrews are interchangeable for me. 
If I'm a Waller manager, I am trying to get him out the door for Kittle, and uh, I'll throw in, you know, whatever you want, man, just to get Waller gone, because I don't know, man. He's getting old. Waller might be becoming a buy in my opinion, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's tough with Waller. I mean, he's definitely like he's he's on the wrong side of 30 now, right? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Tarek, this goes back to like the last like six episodes where, we've, you know, OK, well, what happens with these 30 year old guys? And like, yeah, does, buy like, the dip value, or <laughs> yeah. Do you buy the dip and you bet on the individual or do you you play the odds here and uh, and, and get out? So I know this wasn't meant to be a Waller discussion, but uh I'm it's still overtime, leaning, baby. I'm still leaning by more hold at this point, but it's it's close, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. If he, if there is an opportunity to trade up, even if it's something reasonably significant, let me close out like this. Uh, both of you can answer. Uh, Trey first. Would you trade Waller and a 2023 second for Kittle or Andrews? Tight end premium. What if it if it was a projected low second then sure okay yeah mid second yeah mid to high second i would probably hold and and okay. look at other op- options there yeah mitch what do you think i'd do it same i'm <laughs> yeah, with mitch i'd do it do it in an instant yeah mid yeah. mid to low my ass dude i i will throw the high one in there on purpose just to get them yeah, I'll, I'll sacrifice a little bit of potential value there uh, to get Kittle or Andrews right. over Waller. Yeah, well, let me let me uh, let me check my values, but you're probably right. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, with that said, we're gonna close out here. That does it for episode forty of the Long Game hey, Dynasty podcast. 40. Yeah, guys, congrats on getting over the hill. Our podcast is a man now. <laughs> <laughs> we're a man. We're forty. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, see you guys next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>